What's up? We want to give thanks to all of our amazing sponsors. Piper Diamonds, your hometown jeweler. Bling, bling at piperdiamondco.com. TheCardenasLawGroup.com, your concierge level service, which is for all your personal injury needs. And Compton Broomhead Dental at MunsterDental.com. This is top level luxury dental care. And Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Safety first since 1927. All right, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's episode, I am so excited. I get the opportunity to interview the one and only Ken Blanchard. I want to thank the Servant Leadership Institute podcast for allowing me to have this interview in the first place and uh, being able to work with them over the last couple of years. Mr. Art Barter, I want to thank you. Lisa, I want to thank you. And uh, make sure that you subscribe to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. This man has been an inspiration to me my whole entire life. And for most of my life, I didn't even know it was him that was inspiring me. The reason why I say that is because my dad had read his books early on in his career. And when he was with NASA and he went into a management position, he had no managerial experience, but he read the one minute manager and then would go and just do exactly what it said in the book every single day. And guess what? It worked. Well, I was raised on all these concepts. I heard my dad say these things over and over and over again. And then one day I read one of Ken Blanchard's books and I said, wow, this sounds just like my dad. And I realized that it wasn't my dad this whole time. It was actually Ken Blanchard. So I was so excited. You could probably hear it in my voice and I stutter a lot on the uh, this episode. So I want to uh, apologize and I want to thank you for uh, being okay with me stuttering a little bit, me being um, in, a, in a spot where I am so excited. You see, where I got connected with him was we, uh, my wife and I were at the going to the Chamber of Commerce uh, uh, luncheon and Ken Blanchard was speaking and I was so excited and I grabbed a book of mine and I wrote out to Ken, thank you so much. It was great meeting you. And I said, thank you. And I signed it. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm signing a book to Ken. And she said, "Did you do you know him? And I said, not yet. But I figured if I was in the same room, I was going to figure out a way to be able to talk to this man, to be able to connect with him. So what I did is I kept the book with me and about halfway through the award ceremony, I got up and acted like I needed to go to the restroom. Well, things were going on and if you walked over to another table, you would interrupt everyone and I didn't want to be rude. So I went to the restroom, had my book with me, came back in the room, located his table, and then I waited for applause to happen. And when that happened, I uh, ran over to his table, knelt down and I said, Mr. Blanchard, I want to thank you so much for all your concepts. Uh, Our company has been successful because I have taken all those concepts and put them into play and I just wanted to thank you. And he said, what is your company? And I said, thank you so much for asking. Here's my book. And then I just took off. And about five, 10 minutes later, when the, uh, when the ceremony ended, a woman walked over to me and she said, did you give a book to Ken Blanchard? And I said, oh man, I'm in trouble. And I said, yes, it was me. And she said, uh, you know, he actually likes the way that the book looks and, 
Um, I'm the president of the Servant Leadership Institute. My name is Robin Swift, and we're having a convention, and we have one uh, opening for a speaker. Would you be willing to speak at the convention? And I held back my crazy excitement, and <laughs> and I uh, said calmly, uh, "I would, I would love to." But inside, I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is my opportunity." Well, when the when the bill came out, as far as the uh, the the lineup of speakers, they happened to put them in alphabetical order, and so as it was listed on the Servant Leadership Institute conference that was for Fortune 500 companies. Ken Blanchard was number one, the keynote speaker, the guy. And then Kelly Cardenas was second. And it wasn't that I was the headliner, but just my name happened to be right uh, at, in back of his. It's funny because on this episode, I actually ask him about that book and he doesn't even remember it, but I do. So uh, I, I'm so excited for you to be able to experience this episode. I'm so excited uh, that my dad gets to experience this episode. And um, I believe that it can really, really empower where you're at, who you are, and realize that keeping it simple, serving others is the way in which we will change this world. So enjoy this episode with the one and only Ken Blanchard. And please forgive me for stuttering, uh, for doing all those things. And I appreciate you. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the Kelly Cardenas podcast and uh, the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. And I want to thank them again for it. Enjoy the episode and share it with all your friends. Well, first of all, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to call you Mr. Blanchard, if that's okay. No, Ken, really. Okay, I got to call. I, I, okay, Ken. Um, that makes me feel like we're really good friends now. Um, and that's going to continue on for the rest of our lives. So, that's right. I don't like, you know, if you had to call me something, you'd call me Dr. Blanchard, but I don't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, uh, I want to thank you so much because, uh, you know, you and I met at the Chamber of Commerce uh, lunch. And um, I joked and told the story on my social media that I actually uh, forced you to be my friend. Um, I signed the book before I left my house, and my wife thought I was crazy. But um, you know, I was raised on on your material, and um, my dad wants you to know his name is uh, Tom Cardenas. Can you uh, say hello to Tom or Pops? You can call him Pops. Yeah, how is Pops doing? He's doing amazing. He he was actually uh, named to the shuttle program, and I believe it was seventy uh, nine. And um, he had he was a high school dropout, and he said when he got into the shuttle program as a manager, he actually uh, got the book One Minute Manager, and he would read it every single day, and that was the only way that he rose to the uh, heights that he did in the shuttle program. Well, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that that book is just amazing. How many people I had a guy come up to me recently? He said my father's father gave it to him when he started his first job. And my father just gave it to me because I just started my first job. <laughs> wow. Well, Three generations. Well, it must be amazing, too, because I, I tell you, like, I was raised on so much of it that, uh, and it was so early on that a lot of it I didn't realize where it had come from. I had just known the phrases. And and then as I grew, then I, I, I read your books and, and I, I studied you. And um, now all the things that my dad was saying, I thought my dad was a really wise guy, but he was just regurgitating all your information. So um, you're actually, uh, you know, the, the wisest man that I know. So um, that, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's a pretty heavy duty uh, comment, but that's all right. Well, I'll, have to tell, I'll tell my wife and see if she'll believe it. <laughs> well, and I want to thank you too. I'm my my first question. Well, this one wasn't on the script, but my first question was: is you know I. 
uh, I got your your and I story is a little um, uh, I guess inspiring because um, I, I was wondering. I approached you at the Chamber of Commerce. I passed you a book. I left five minutes later. Robin Swift, the president of the uh, Servant Leadership Institute, she pulls up to me and says, "Hey, you know, um, Ken, you gave Ken a book." Um, he looked at it and he seems to like it. I know you couldn't have read it that fast. So what stuck out to you um, that made you even want to have a conversation or uh, connect past the fact of saying hello? Well, I can't remember. How long ago was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a couple of months ago. But uh, yeah. so what I what What's I the name of your book again? Uh, my, the name of the book is uh, Six Indicators for Business and Life. And I just want I want to thank you, yeah. though, because you're the only reason why I'm sitting here right now. And I get a, yeah. a chance to be with the Servant Leadership Institute is because of your yeah. influence and who you are. Well, so. you know. When I, when I look at a book like I would have yours, I would have you know gone and taken a look at the forward and the thing and on. And I love people that try to make things simple. And it looked like you were trying to make you know things simple that people could really use, you know, rather than trying to press this with your intellect. Well, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so I wanted to hop right in as far as question wise, if it's okay with you. Um, Thank you again for your time. So uh, I, my first question was, is where did you, like you're such a thought leader in, in, our, in our world. Like when I look at you and you're, you're so far ahead of the, uh, your time also, um, you know, these servant leadership kind of uh, concepts and the things that you've been doing for so many years, now people are just catching on. So where, where do you get the wisdom? Where did you draw the wisdom to become the thought leader that you are? Oh, you know, uh, I've, I've been a learner all my my life you know uh and so uh uh like i've written you know like 60 books but i've only written two by myself my mother always said why don't you write a book by yourself i wrote one on golf because so many people help my golf game didn't know to write it with and i wrote one on my spiritual journey and uh but uh i've learned from other people i i i meet fascinating people and and i said you know did you ever write anything on that you know or would you do that or or I'll go to people like I did a book with Chua Cathy, the chairman of Chick-fil-A, and I think their family is one of the most generous families I've ever seen. So I told them I'd like to write a book with them on the generosity factor. And so, so then I sat down with them, and we tried to create a story around it, you know, and all that kind of thing. And so that's that's where I get my inspiration is from, from other people and, uh, and, uh, and learning, because I... Uh, I loved Norman Vincent Peale when I wrote a book with him. He was 86 years old and he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. He said, if you stop learning, lie down and let him throw the dirt on you because you're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that's really my, been my inspiration. I just came out with a Servant Leadership in Action book that, that our barter had a chapter in, you know, and we had 45 different contributors uh, in that. Uh, talking about what their thoughts were about servant leadership and you know and so that was a big project to get that many different people but I really enjoy that you know and that's that's one of my things I really like and I'm I'm not competitive with other people in the field I don't try to act like I know more than they do so as a result you know I could get a lot of different people to be willing to write a an article in a book that I was editing you know 
Well, that's amazing. I tell you, uh, The Generosity Factor, actually, actually one of my favorite books of all time. Um, that really changed the way that I was thinking, too, uh, as far as um, how to, how to re- run a company. And I hadn't even had my own at the time. Um, so um, I, I applaud you on it. Now, this one's not on the script, too, but I just want to know this. If you've, you've wrote 60 books, you're a thought leader, you speak all over the world. Um, and I, I think that you're the, at the forefront of not, not just motivation, because anyone can get people excited. You inspire people to do something different. How are you able to stay humble in that fact? Because, you know, some people, when, if they had 10 books, they would think like, oh, they would beat their chest and say, I'm the man. You've got 60 and you're still saying, well, I, you know, I want to learn from other people. Um, how do you stay in that mindset? Well, I, my, I had quite a mother and a father, you know, my mother always said to me, don't you act like you're better than anybody else. Don't let anybody act like they're better than you. God didn't make any junk and there's a pearl of goodness in everybody, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I just felt that, uh, you know, any of the success I had, God, there was so many things, you know, God had some big plan. <laughs> Sometimes I go, whoa, how did that happen? And, uh, so it's just, uh, I, I just have been able to keep things in perspective, you know, and uh, I love uh, <coughs> C.S. Lewis one time said that about people with humility, he said they don't think less of themselves, they just think about themselves less, you know, and so I think that's, that's what I kind of grew up with, is not focus on myself, but focus on other people. Wow. <coughs> So, Ken, can you tell us of a specific time when you when you were tempted to lead, like in the normal, like non-servant leader way? Because I mean, you're you're a, you're a force, and I tell you, I I would I, I I've seen speakers all over the world, and I was so blown away by you didn't speak from a way of of getting someone super excited. You didn't want to move the room in, in just your voice. But it was almost like the the room was drawn to you because you sat back and you were just completely yourself. Is there a time, has there been a time that you've been tempted to lead in the not normal and maybe get a little like, you know, and not live inside those principles? I mean, do you get mad? Do you do you get hyped on those things? And uh, if so, well, can you give I, us a specific I've example? Fortunate. I've been married to Margie for 57 years and she's a pretty amazing person, you know, and if ever I get kind of uppity, you know, all she does is she'll say can you know <laughs> bring me right right back down to to earth you know and i because you know i i have a, one of the things i thought i might share at the conference you know we started a 12-step egos anonymous program because the human ego is the one that gets people in trouble but we all at sometimes gets our get our ego in the way either with false pride where we have a more than philosophy or fear or self-doubt when we have a less than or uh philosophy and you know i i think that uh the more you're aware of that then the more you can you know uh keep from doing it you know absolutely how did you meet your wife at, at cornell oh really uh, yeah and uh she went out with all my friends and uh so i actually took her out the first time to do a favor for a friend who uh, couldn't get up for a weekend and asked me if I'd take her out for a drink. And, you know, I'm a really good buddy, and I did. 
<laughs> so you were the wingman that, that stole the lady. The end of, the end of his relationship. <laughs> but he, he named his first kid Ken, so he's, he wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret to staying, uh, staying married for 59 years? Well, I think it's to all the best marriages I've seen, the husband realizes, uh, the man realizes that they married above themselves, you know. <laughs> you know, and I went back to my our 55th reunion a while back, and people were still saying, how did you talk Margie into marrying you, you know, I mean, because she was a superstar. And, and uh, so I I just think that uh, when when you think that you're married above yourself, you realize this is a partnership, not sort of, you know, step aside, baby, I'm going to show you what the world's all about, you know, <laughs> which gets in the, in, egos get in trouble in marriages. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you think the top uh, challenges are being a servant leader in like a bottom line world? Because most of the time you're going into organizations and they're bringing you in. They uh, obviously they've read your book. They've uh, heard you speak. They've seen all these things and they they're excited about it. But a lot of times corporations will bring you in to maybe motivate their staff. But, um, you know, and you're talking about, hey, let's look at the long term effects of how being an amazing person, how uh, being a principle based leader can be a, incredible. And a lot of these companies and corporations are just looking at and saying, okay, well, how's it going to drop to my bottom line? What do you think are some of the biggest challenges uh, in being that servant leader in a bottom line world? Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges is to get, you know, top managers to realize that their most important customer is their people. Uh, and all the great companies understand that and they take care of their people, they train their people, they love on their people. And then what happens is their people really get motivated and they end up, uh, you know, going out of their way to take care of their number two most important customers, the people that use their products and services. And because they treat them really well, they become raving fans of your company and they become part of your sales force. And that takes care of, uh, you know, the bottom line and all that kind of thing. And a Wall Street sometimes acts like the only reason to be in business is to make money. And the reality is that profit is the applause you get for creating a motivating environment for your people so they'll take care of your customers. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, can I mean, it, does it take you anything to, to be able to get motivated or do you stay in that realm? And, uh, you know, I, I look at it as like, say, the other day I had to um, it was cold outside. I was just in Milwaukee. And I wanted to, I, before I speak, I run a mile, right? So it just kind of uh -huh. gets me hyped. And I, it was really cold though. This was yesterday. And this was super cold, like 20 degrees. So I had to listen to a certain type of music to get me to go out in 20 degree weather and run. What kind of music gets you motivated? And, and you know, what do you listen to to get you going before you go and speak? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I, I'm a big believer in, in visualization so before i speak i imagine the audience at the end standing up and giving me a standing o uh, <laughs> and with that in mind then i then i go up to the stage ready to get that standing o you know but i think if you go up there afraid or concerned or whatever you know but if you say wow this is going to be fabulous i'm really excited to to see what's going to come out. People always say, what are you going to talk about? I say, well, I'm kind of fascinated myself. I know I, I got a general plan, but sometimes I end up going in another direction depending on the reaction I'm getting from the audience. So uh, it's just fun. I, I think the biggest motivation is 
when you're confused about the difference between work and play, you know, when they're the same, you know, you, you, you don't have to motivate yourself because it's just a form of play. Wow. People say to me, when are you going to retire? And I said, you know, when, when he calls me up, you know, I mean, that'll be, that'll be plenty of time, <laughs> you know. Wow, that's that's <laughs> that's incredible. Um, so, what uh, my my daughter uh, my daughter had a question for her. Her name is McKenna, and I was just coming in, and uh, I, I believe in that audible kind of thing as far as the um, you know coming in with a plan. My my wife calls it uh, stick to the plan and go with the flow, and allowing God to to have room to be able to work. Um, do is that something that you do all the time? I mean, in every time that you speak, do you do you go in? Um, with a plan, hey, I've got this, but I mean, and you you allow God to work inside of it. Yes, you know, I always say, you know, you know, Lord, you know what what you want me to say, so f- feel free at any point to interrupt me, you know. And, <laughs> and sometimes I'll think of something I had never thought about. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, I'll go over in that direction, <laughs> see where it takes me. You know, when you've been around as long as I've been, you know, you you get so many different ways you can go. You know, so I don't ever go in with a, you know, people want to say, you know, do you, do you want slides or anything? I said, no, they, they get in my way because, you know, I might not want to use them. Wow. <laughs> wow. So when you go when you go through, too, as far as, uh, you know, thinking on this type of level, because, again, this is, I think, a, a lot of times uh, there's a lot of listeners out there right now that this type of mentality is almost contradictory or revolutionary to them. When did that switch happen in your life? When did that, when did you start serving, you know, when did you start serving the Lord, um, you know, on this type of level? Was there a point, uh, you know, where maybe things weren't going well, there was a turning point? Or was it just an always evolution and this is the way that you were raised? Well, you know, I was named after a Presbyterian minister, you know, and went to Sunday school and and all. And then uh, uh, in junior high, I switched to the Methodist church because they had a better basketball team. Uh, <laughs> And then when I I went to Cornell, uh, you still there? Yeah, absolutely. When I went to Cornell, that was the Ivy League's not what they would call spiritual centers of the world. (laughs) (laughs) So I I drifted away. And then when Margie and I got married, she said we ought to get involved in a church. And so we even taught in a junior high school program at a Presbyterian church in Ithaca when we were were studying at Cornell. And... uh, but then we, we went to Ohio University. It was a wonderful pastor in town that we loved, and he was leading the student sit-ins against the Vietnam War, and, and his congregation fired him in the most vicious thing we had ever seen. And we said, if that's what Christianity is all about, you can have it. We saw a lot of hypocrisy, you know, and so we just turned our backs, and so we didn't think about it too much uh, until the one-minute manager came out, and that was so ridiculously successful. I was having trouble taking credit for it. And so I, I um, um, you know, people started saying, why do you think that book's so successful? I started saying, well, I think somehow God was involved. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know why I said that, but my mom was praying for me. And, and then I get invited onto the Hour of Power with Robert Shuler. And uh, in his hate day, he said, again, <laughs> I love the one-minute manager, but you know who's the greatest one-minute manager of all time? I said, who's that? He said, Jesus. I said, really? He said, yeah, he was 
clear on goals in that your first secret one, but goal says, yeah, and he said, you and Tom Peters didn't invent management by wandering around. Jesus did. He wandered from one little village to another village. If anybody showed any interest, he'd praise him, heal him. And that your second secret woman to praise him, yeah. And if people stepped out of line, he wasn't afraid to give him a woman a uh, reprimand. He threw the money lenders out of the temple. And, you know, so I went, whoa, that's really interesting. And then I meet Norman Vincent Peale, and he said to Margie and I, the Lord's always had you on his team. You just haven't suited up yet, you know. <laughs> and so... When I started to read the gospel, I just laughed because everything I had ever taught about leadership, Jesus did with these 12 incompetent guys he hired. I mean, you would not hired that lot. And <laughs> so uh, it got to be fascinating. And then I really started looking at the faith. And so I'm, I'm really a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian because I don't think Jesus was a Christian either. Uh, Christianity is not mentioned in the Bible. And, Christian is mentioned three times in Acts, and it's negative, those damn Christians. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think people forget Jesus said two things. One, you'll be known as my disciples by how you love each other. And then he said, judge not, or you shall be judged. And we got a lot of Pharisees that are judging everybody in, in our faith, and I think that's a problem. Wow. Wow. So when you, when you wrote One Minute Manager, I want to go back to that. When you wrote One Minute Manager, did you know it was going to be a hit? Uh, well, we, we self-published it initially uh, because uh, uh, Spencer said when, after we wrote a draft and everybody loved it that they didn't know us in New York and they'd beat us up and take all the money. So we self-published it and sold 20,000 copies with no advertising, you know, just word of mouth. And then when we went to New York, we knew we had a winner. We had a lot of great endorsements. and. And so, uh, yeah, we knew it was going to be a winner. We were on the Today Show and Labor Day 1982, and the book went on the bestseller list the next week and never left the list for three years, I think. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so I've got uh, two last questions for you. Number one, my this is a question from my daughter. Are you a dog or cat person? That's from McKenna, my daughter. She's 10 years old. Yeah, we're, we're dog people. I have a fabulous dog by the name of Joy. And the reason I named her Joy is a uh, guy I got to know, Fred Smith, who was, wrote a wonderful book called You and Your Network, uh, said that real joy in life is when you get in the act of forgetfulness about yourself and dogs help you forget about yourself. Now, cats are good, too, but my wife Margie's allergic to cats. <laughs> so we got dogs. And uh, so joy's a real joy in my life, really. My uh, my daughter's going to be very happy uh, with that. Can you say hello to McKenna, too, for me? Hi, McKenna. How you doing? <laughs> dogs are great. And remember, go dog spells God backwards. Yes. Because dogs could care less about yesterday. That's already passed and been forgiven. And dogs could care less about tomorrow because that's guaranteed. And they're into the present. Right. Can <laughs> I, I wish I could honestly, I wish I could stay on this line with you for hours and hours. I cannot wait to spend time with you at the Servant Leadership uh, Institute conference. Um, I'm going to be around, so I'm going to make sure that if you need water, I'm going to have it. Um, if you need to be fanned, I'm going to I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing whatever. Um, but what advice? What advice would you uh, would today's Ken give the ten year old Ken? Like if you could go back. And, you know, after all the life that you've lived, after all the wisdom that you have, you go back to a little 10-year-old Ken that's wondering about life. What type of advice would you give to him? 
I, I'd say the thing that I think I've tried to do and I tell other people is keep your head up and look for opportunities. You never know what will come your way, you know. Don't get fixed on one thing and keep your head down and grind your teeth, you know. I mean, work at it and all, but always look for opportunities, opportunities that will be able to give you another way to look at the world. So uh, uh, it's, all, it's all gets back to that learning, you know, if you stop learning lie down so they can throw the dirt on you. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, ask you, you just wrote a book, uh, Leading at a Higher Level, uh, uh, third edition, and we're looking forward to that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Can you give us a preview well, of that? People have asked us what what is our, our curriculum that we've been teaching here at the Blanches. This is our 40th anniversary, as you mentioned. And, and uh, so this book is uh, a third edition of us pulling, because we're always looking for new content and all that. But the book is in four sections. The first one is have, have the right target and vision. It's all about the visionary part of leadership. The second chapter is to treat your people right. The third section, and not chapters, they're sections, is treat your customers right. And then the last section is have the right kind of leadership, which is, of course, servant leadership. Wow. Well, you you talked about uh, target and uh, you know target and goal in that first one, and I told my wife this goal. So I want to I want to end with this and let you know of it, and then I'm gonna I want I want to get you know your kind of ending thoughts. But I told my wife the other day I was walking through, and um, my story being able to meet you was I I wrote I, I signed a book before we left the house because I knew you were gonna be in the room, and I knew I was gonna find you at some point. Um, I waited until there was an interruption in the room and then I knelt down by your table and handed you the book or I, uh, I complimented you on your on the principles because we utilize them in our company. Um, you asked me what my company was. I handed you the book and uh, the rest was history. Um, but the next piece of history that I told my wife as far as a goal and a target for me as I was walking through, I was so excited because when I told her I got a chance to, inter- or to interview you and I said my next goal that I'm going to set out to do is uh, at some point I want to um, I want to be able to write a book with Ken Blanchard and my wife looked at me and she's that type of supportive wife she looked at me and she said you'll do it and so that's the target that it is uh, I'm, I'm working towards that so um, you know you'll you'll hear it in the future um, so what can be some uh, finishing thoughts as we uh, as we leave today and thank you so much for your time today Ken you are truly seriously you are such an inspiration and such a uh, incredible part of this world and I believe that you're going to take this world to another place as far as leadership so what what's the final thoughts from you well, the final thoughts is that I think life is a very special occasion. Don't miss it. You know, I think you should learn from the past, but don't live there. You should plan for the future, but don't live there. That uh, what you really need to do is stay in the present and uh, be there for people and, and yourself in, in that present moment because uh, life really is a special occasion and it's moment by moment. Well, for those of you out there listening, this is the Servant Leadership uh, Institute podcast, and I want you guys to understand, I believe that if you want to be uh, the best leader in the world, you want to uh, motivate people, you want to be able to get real results that are sustainable, I believe that you could follow uh, one person, you know, and that way, if you just read Ken Blanchard's books, I believe that you would get all the information that you needed, although he's going to be humble and say that you could read everybody else's. Uh, Ken, you are absolutely phenomenal. I cannot wait to be able to spend a little bit of time with you and thank you so much for all the inspiration well good take care of yourself god bless okay have a great day bye-bye